welcome to episode 228 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. I am your host, Patrick A. Hope. You can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. And uh, I am here live at uh, Magenta Manor in the uh, lovely Pat Cave, surrounded by lovely things like this cup and some pens. And of course, my co host on the show, my co host in the live. The loveliest of them all, naturally, with her amazing Cheez-It shirt. Uh, she is the Baroness of Bordeaux, the Countess of Cabernet, the Mistress of Merlot, the real housewife of Transylvania, the Michael Phelps of wine, the Queen of the Monsters, and an honorary Lizzie. Also, we're brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee as part of the Dorkening Network. She's Ashes Von Nightmare. I like you. I like you. It's nice. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this week we are... My uh, wife. Yeah, my wife. Ashes Von Nightmare. Yeah, this week we are going to be discussing Borat. Uh, my name's Borat. And you're going to have to deal with that. Uh, All right. Oh, Jesus. Isn't no, no, cheese it. That's what's on my shirt. Cheese it. You do a good voice, not. <laughs> not. <laughs> I, I, I do good voices. Not. <laughs> yeah, she's, uh, yeah. I watched Borat for the first time. <laughs> she had never seen the 2006 movie, and uh, we obviously just watched the uh, Borat subsequent movie film for the first time. And uh, we have we definitely have some uh, interesting thoughts on it, because I will say that watching it in the theater as a 25 year old and then watching it again uh, as at nearly 40, uh, you definitely get different perspectives on what went on in the uh, in in the film is nice. Very good time. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's like a Slavic cookie monster. I don't know. <laughs> what the, I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Give me a cookie. <laughs> I like cookie. It's nice. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Wawa <laughs> Wiwa. It is easy being green, not. <laughs> it is easy being green, not. <laughs> This suit is a not black. <laughs> All right, so before we, we've already derailed our own fucking show, and that's oh Jesus. Uh, so we decided we were going to talk because Sasha Baron Cohen is, uh, among other things, uh, an incredibly talented actor, and not just not just an actor, like character actor. Yes, I mean between this Bruno Ali G. Um, the show that he did where he portrayed a, This is America. Yeah, this is America where he went undercover as a the the Mossad the Mossad agent. Oh yes. my god. Like he's he's kind of like a master of disguise at this point. Yeah. And he he put so much into his his uh his characters that we decided we were going to do as our getting into character question folks who get into character in a unique and uh, very convincing ways. Whether it's staying in character while on set 
or completely changing their appearance by either gaining or losing weight. Prosthetics. Uh, prosthetics, yeah. You know, uh, people who, uh, actors who really, like... Dedicate themselves to their craft. Engulf themselves in their characters. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with an obvious one and say Daniel Day-Lewis, because not only does he stay in character on set, he stays in character uh, from before the production until... Uh, sometimes well after the production, like he has uh, a difficult time getting out of character because he is so entrenched in the part that he is playing. Uh, for example, when he played Christy Brown in My Left Foot, he uh, he played a character, I believe, who had ALS and could only use his left foot to move himself around in a wheelchair, uh, but he was a painter and he used his left foot and... Daniel Day-Lewis learned to do that, and it took him... Uh, he had to go through, uh, uh, I believe, extensive rehab because he had spent all his time living as someone with ALS lived, and like his muscles atrophied because he spent months in this chair using only his left foot to get himself around because he wanted to live as the character lived to give himself a, a better performance. Same thing went... For Lincoln, like, he would write letters to people as Lincoln, even after production wrapped, you know, and he had a hard time, you know, he changed his voice. Uh, so what's what's one for you, Ashes? So Christian Bale oh, yeah. is pretty much very well known for being a character actor and completely changing his appearance. So not uh, he dropped... An insane amount of weight. I think he got down to 120 pounds for the machinist. He went from being ripped and, and like, very well-toned in American Psycho to, I think he ate either an apple or a can of tuna a day. He picked one, dropped all that weight to get to the machinist. And then, after the machinist, he got the role to be... Batman. Yep. And immediately went back to the gym and started bulking up. Yeah, he gained he like 80 pounds for that. Only to gain weight again, not muscular weight for American Hustle, in no. which he also, you know, prosthetics were used, but he, he yeah, gained some weight for, for that. Only to bulk back up again for. I forget one of his other. Yeah, but didn't he drop a bunch of weight for the fighter too? Well, I was gonna say he dropped a bunch of weight for the fight fighter, and then most recently he gained a bunch of weight for Vice, where he to played play Dick, Dick Cheney. Cheney. Yeah, so he went. For, he and he had. Remember, he had the three Batman movies around American Hustle, and Ooh, the fighter, the fighter, the machinist. Like so, so yeah, and and. No wonder why he's always yelling at people on set. Losing weight. Oh, and, and Terminator. That was the other one. Yeah. Yeah. Which he was, you know, he was just like a normal. He was, he was like American psycho build. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I probably think, I like that, 180. I think that's like his normal, his normal Yeah, build, about 185 pounds. Um, but like, imagine being able to, and, and, you know, we all know that it's easier to gain weight. Well, for most people, it's easier to gain weight than it is to lose. Oh, yeah. But. It's also not easy to gain weight, but turn that into muscle. I just, what you were talking about just made me think of an honorable mention because I hadn't thought about him. 
Rob McElhenney from Always Sunny oh in Philadelphia. The season where he gained weight. He just cultivated he mass. <laughs> he was cultivating mass. That's what he did. Aren't we all? He went from, you know, a normal sized guy to like being overweight. And then he comes back the following season and he's absolutely shredded. And he's like, yeah. Anybody can do this. It's really easy. All you need is to work out like eight hours a day, have a personal trainer, be a millionaire. And he's like listing all these things. And he's like, yeah, that's all you need to do. That's what I did. I don't understand why everybody can't do this. And then he got killed on Game of Thrones. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and another thing about Christian Bale, too, is he's kind of a master of accents. Well, Well, he he can do a British, Scottish, and American. Yeah, but he he can change like... His natural speaking voice is like he has an accent. Yes. So he's able to do an American accent pretty convincingly. I am going to see your Christian Bale accent. Nice segue. You're welcome. Because we talked about this off air. This is what happens when you go to rehearsal. Exactly. (laughs) And transition into Gary Oldman who is amazing at doing different voices from his character Drexel, who was like a a white Jamaican dude in uh, True Romance, to, you know, Sid Vicious, to Jim Gordon, to, uh, I forget his character's name in The Professional, but, like, he went... Was it Leon? No, Leon was uh, uh, not Jean Reno. Yeah, Jean Jean Reno. Yeah. he went through so many different accents, you know, Dracula, that he had to uh, see an accent coach to get his normal voice back, like his regular accent. He had lost it and could not speak normally anymore uh, or normally for him, like because he had spent so much time and he developed so many different, um, you know, characters and, you know, a lot of his characters do have British accents to them. You know, I mean, I think one of his most unique ones is probably the movie that gets the least critical acclaim. But, you know, I love it. And, you know, a lot of people are fans. Uh, his character in um, The Fifth Element, uh, Zerg, I think is his name, something like that. Uh, weird accent, you know, because we've talked about, like, with Snatch, uh, Brad Pitt couldn't nail the pikey accent, so he just kind of mashed a bunch of stuff Made together. Up his own. <laughs> yeah, and so you know, you have a guy like Gary Oldman who is able to do all the. You know, he's been Southern, he's been you know Irish, he's been you know uh, various. Um, you know who else does a great British accent? I mean, uh, English accent, and people don't really realize it. John Boyega, Finn from Star Wars, because if you've seen Attack the Block, that's his normal speaking voice. Mm, it's kind of. Almost like Cockney, like similar to Mike O'Kane. Yeah, uh, almost like a... uh, I'm trying to think of like the best, almost like a slang. Like a a Cockney, like a... uh, Not quite... um, uh, What do they call them? Yeah, like Cockney slang, where it's... um, it's it's not quite it's generally the accent given to the uh gruff uh like if it's if it's a a, a british like mob movie it's like, like they the don't New speak York refined accent of 
British people. Right, or the Boston accent. Right, yeah. It's like these are the lower level guys. Like they don't speak with a refined accent like Benedict Cumberbatch. It's just like, all right then. Oh, I'll show you. Uh, like think of the uh, the two the two dudes from uh, 101 Dalmatians, the animated version. We ain't got no ether, either. You know, like that's how he that's how he talks mm-hmm. normally. Um, who else? Who else uh, comes? Well, to mind I mean, for you? speaking of Benedict Cumberbatch, Benedict Cumberbatch. He has a, a good English accent. Well, uh, Brit- oh, American. But I'm talking about you know his ability to play different characters. You know, he's a convincing Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. He's a convincing Doctor Strange. Yeah, if you've can, ever seen the Imitation Game, a very convincing Alan Turing. You know, he has done some fantastic films he where be, he's he's never really the same character. No, he could be a meek, mild-mannered character. He could be he an could asshole. He could be a dragon. He could be a dragon. He would smile. Uh, or know, he could crawling be crawling around on the floor in that motion capture. He could be a super badass like Khan or uh, Doctor Strange. And speaking of crawling around on the floor in motion capture, Andy Serkis. Another British guy. But like he, he does so many things, you would mm-hmm. never know that. And he's most famous for wearing a motion capture suit. Yeah, he played uh, in 2005's uh, King Kong. He did the motion capture for Kong. He was Caesar in the Planet of the Apes trilogy. Um, although I will say Toby Kebbell is, is right up there with him because Toby Kebbell was, uh, I forget, he was a couple of the apes in, in that s- series as well as Kong in Kong Skull Island. He did the mocap for that. Um, so Toby and Toby Kebble was the guy who got uh, he got killed by something, but he was the guy who shot at the the log bug, like he thought it was like a big log, but it was a bug, and he shot it a whole bunch of times, mm-hmm. and then he got wiped out by a skull crawler like two seconds later. But like obviously, most famously, he's Gollum. Yes, in Andy Circus, not not Toby Kebble. Right, obviously. but that's what I'm saying. Like I mean, in being able to do, especially as Gollum, being able like to that- flip back and forth between the voices that he was doing and the mannerisms because obviously he wore motion capture for that as well the uh the, the yeah the raspy harsh and, and voice being able that he had, to yeah. give each personality a distinct care you know distinct characteristics mm-hmm. it's just it's fascinating to me to to watch him like to watch all the behind the scenes stuff and really just watch him work, watch him get into it. I also want to throw an honorable mention into uh, the motion capture, because a lot of people don't realize this. James Gunn's brother from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. He did the motion capture for Rocket Raccoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget his, I want to say, like... Steve. Steve. That sounds right, but I'm like, you know, maybe it's Durwood or Rudiger. Uh, Conrad... But- but yeah, he actually Ray. does. A, he's actually in Ray a lot Gunn. of. Yes, it's it's Ray Gunn. <laughs> uh, he's in a lot of James Gunn's. He's in the upcoming stuff. Uh, the Suicide or Squad. Or he's involved with a lot of stuff that his his brother does. He's in the upcoming um, The Suicide Squad, wearing motion capture yet again. So I, I kind of want to talk about a couple of females. We've been talking about a lot of males. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rooney Mara for the girl with the dragon tattoo. Oh yeah. She 
completely changed her appearance. I mean, All she's those a piercings. she's a yeah, she's a tiny girl to begin with, uh, but she lost weight. She cut and dyed her hair. She bleached her eyebrows. She got pretty much all, all of, of those the piercings, piercings. Yep. yeah um uh, she didn't get the tattoos those were fake Hannah, and she studied the life of hackers because that's what Lisbeth Salander and is and she used that crazy accent yeah she you know the the accent cuz she's she's an american actor um she did a lot of i believe she worked with different uh FBI like uh, not agents, but you know, like the people who work for the informants FBI, yeah. and stuff. Yes, like she she did a lot of research in order to really become that character. And I know we don't see a lot of her. She does a lot of like indie, like low key indie stuff. Um, another really great character actor is Charlize Theron, mm. who completely changed her appearance for Monster yep. and her voice and her demeanor. You know, she's known for being super glamorous on the red carpet and the fact that she was able to, to, to play Eileen Warnos in such a convincing way. And she really did look like her, too. Mm. It was it was crazy. Um she was also in Bombshell as Megan Kelly. She, yeah, she definitely looked like Megan Kelly. And, you know, uh, with the help of, of some prosthetics, mm. obviously, but, you know, um, she studied Megan Kelly. She watched a lot of Fox News, which, you know. Oh, poor girl. Right? <laughs> um, at least she got an Oscar nomination out of that. You know, at least, I mean, she's obviously won an Oscar for Monster, but, um, at least she got something out of it, but but yeah, you know, studied her mannerisms and really became her on set. And her co-star in Bombshell, uh, Nicole, Ricci. that was she, that was her co-star in Monster. Yeah, that's what you just said. I said her co-star oh, oh, in oh. Bombshell. Sorry, Nicole Kidman is another brilliant character actor. Oh, worst it's superhero ever, especially Kidman. when she played Virginia Woolf in The Hours which she won an Academy Award for. And, you know, they changed her hair, which is easy. You can do wigs and stuff. But they really, like, they she wore a prosthetic nose. And it was crazy how much her appearance changed. And she really delved into Virginia Woolf's not only works, but works written about her and tried to capture all of her likeness well i'm gonna i'm gonna uh see yours and and call uh i'm surprised you didn't mention tilda swinton i was getting there <laughs> i'm surprised she wasn't first i mean she played uh the archangel gabriel in constantine she was uh you know she played multiple vampires i'm pretty sure uh i know one in only lovers left alive and another in uh what we do in the shadows um you know i will say someone else who uh, but she's also done some like pretty roles too or i think she's gorgeous as like the is. ice queen or I, whatever well yeah she was the um the snow queen oh, in the close. lion the witch in the wardrobe um snow piercer 
Snowpiercer, where yeah, she where she had didn't like the even fake teeth. look like herself with yeah. the big Coke bottle glasses and the fake teeth mm. and the mouth, mousy, mousy hair. Um, I'm trying to think, what was the. Only Lovers Left Alive? No. I mean, she was gorgeous in that. I mean, like, really pretty in that, too. Um, No. Uh, Trainwreck. I didn't. Trainwreck is the film where, I mean, she is, like, tan and has long hair and, like, uh, uh, pretty, like, glam makeup on. Which, you know, just isn't her. Like, I love her as is. Even I love the, the androgyny, like... Dead don't die. ...energy that, that she, like, exudes. I just, I just fucking love her so much. Um, I really wish that uh, there's this upcoming David Bowie biopic that's coming out. And I really wish that they had cast her. Isn't it his son, though? That's playing mm, him? No, I don't think it has. I don't think the family has anything to do. I thought it was his son or something. No. That might have been I something else is, then. Um, I think this is... Rami Malek? Sometimes... <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, Rami Malek did a fantastic job, you know, becoming Freddie, Freddie Mercury. Mercury. Well, I have, a, I have another uh, lady I want to add up. And this lady actually was nominated for two Oscars for the same role years apart, playing Catherine the Great... And that would be Kate Blanchett. Mm. So that's some trivia for you. The only woman to be nominated, only person, I believe, to be nominated for the same character in two different films. Um, Kate Blanchett can go from, you know, being, for lack of a better term, like ugly ducklinged, you know, like, you know, they make her. Look, you know, like uh, uh, Charlize in um, Monster. Mm-hmm. You know, they make her look, uh, you know, frumpier or whatever. Like instead of enhancing uh, her natural features, they kind of, you know, uh, whatever the opposite of enhance, uh, which D- escapes me. Dehance. Dehance. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Unhance. Um, um, but yeah, she goes from. Arguably, my my favorite role of hers as uh, Hella, you know, goth Kate mm. Blanchett. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was yes. Or yes. Galadriel, the Lady of the Wood, uh, in Lord of the Rings, to Catherine the Great, where like you know she's got like the chopped off hair, and you know they've got her in armor, and like they don't, they're not trying to make her look beautiful; they're just trying to make her look like Catherine the Great. Mm-hmm. Um, she's another one that can do uh different roles uh like that so i mean i think that's a pretty good list so far i mean i feel like we could go on because there are some great actors out there who really yeah and we didn't even touch on some of these and beyond in order to portray these characters you know whether it be learning everything that they can about these characters if they're based on actual people or you know Delving into this the this specific world that the character lives in. I remember seeing an, an interview with John Goodman when the Flintstones movie came out, and he said, you know, jokingly, obviously, that he was trying to see if he could get one of his fingers removed so he could be more faithful to the actual character, but the Roseanne people wouldn't let him do it. That's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so if you guys have any thoughts or uh, some of the characters we missed, or there's just someone that you know did a lot of uh, really deep research into a role 
that uh, you you uh, you want to talk about, uh, shoot us an email at uh, throwdownthursdaypodcast at gmail dot com, or uh, you know check us out over on the social medias, uh, Twitter and uh, what's Twitter TD Thursday Pod, and Throwdown Thursday Podcast on Instagram. So. That being said, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we will talk about uh, my wife doing a good accent knot. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks, too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Hey, this is Andre Gower from the Monster Squad and Wolfman's Got Nards, a documentary, and you are listening to Throwdown Thursday. My name is Borat. I journalist for Kazakhstan. My government sent me to USNA to make a movie film. Please, you look. Hello, nice to meet you. I knew it. What? 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 Hello, my name is Borat. I knew it. Welcome to our country, okay? My name is Borat. Okay, okay, good, good. Well, I'm not used to that, but that's fine. If this car drives into a group of gypsies, will there be any damage to the car? It depends on how hard you hit them and all that. It's hard, hard. to see. Ladies and gentlemen, Borat, Sakia. Can I say we support your war of terror? Kazakhstan is the greatest country in the world. I think that the cultural differences are vast. Exactly. And I think he's a delightful man, and it wouldn't take very much time for him to really become Americanized. Get your motor running. You want to have a drink? You can't drink that while you're driving. I like you, you pipples. How can I be like you? What's up, vanilla face? Is it not a problem that the woman have a smaller brain than a man? That's it. Okay. We're finished. We have to leave. Very nice. How much? She is your wife? Nope. That's my wife. <laughs> In my country, they would go crazy. Oh, my. <laughs> uh, for these two. Not so much. You come see my film. If it's not success, I will be executed. And we are back. That, of course, was the trailer for the first Borat film, which came out in 2006, which I saw in the theater. I actually went to the theater. Uh, it was still fairly new at that point. It was in Millbury. I went uh, by myself, and I had uh, I was wearing, I believe this came out in a colder, in like February. So I had a hoodie on. And I would I would put uh, I would go to Target because Target was right near this uh, in this big like mall area. I'd go up to Target and I would get like a six pack of soda and some snacks. And I would take the soda and I would stick them down the front of my pants. I'd take two of them and I'd put the snacks in my hoodie pouch or like inside my shirt. 
and I would walk very awkwardly into the uh, into the theater because I didn't want to spend it's like forty dollars on snacks. Not suspicious at all. Like, why are you walking like that? I'm like, well, I certainly don't have soda down my pants. Is that a soda in your pants? <laughs> are you happy to see me? Um, and I remember laughing at this movie and like, oh, look at the ridiculousness, you know, because it reminded me a lot of like a, uh, like if a foreign guy tried to do, um, like if a foreign guy tried to do like jackass, but without like the you know, bodily harm-inducing stunts like, oh, my name's Steve-O, and I'm going to run face-first into an oncoming train. Let's see what happens. Oh, I'm also going to shove a beehive up my ass. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> so the reason I'm not a huge fan of uh, of Jackass, part of it is uh, my brother used to watch it, and if you've seen the uh, Loudest Sports Show, you are familiar with Dave. So Dave, uh, when he was, I don't know, I want to say 14, 15, somewhere in there, uh, he was working at Chuck E. Cheese, and him and his friend were like, oh, let's imitate what we saw on TV. So Dave put Which his- Which is always a good idea. Especially when at the beginning of the show, they're like, do not do this at home. And he's like, well, I'm not at home. I'm at work. So, ha oh, loophole. So he put his friend Shane in a shopping cart and shoved him down a flight of stairs. Cement stairs. And Shane got up and was hurt fairly significantly. And- uh, thought he had, uh, based on where his pain was, thought he had dislocated his shoulder. My brother, being a licensed physician, oh wait, no, he worked at Chuck E. Cheese, uh, was like, well, I'll pop your shoulder back in for you. And All really good ideas. And wait till you get to the punchline. Pulled and pulled and yanked and tried to pop his shoulder in. He didn't have a dislocated shoulder. He had a broken fucking collarbone. So all he was doing was making it worse. Now my collarbone hurts. Uh, he was just making it worse. So, yeah, jackass is stupid and it's all dumb. But when I saw this, I didn't know who Sasha Baron Cohen was. I didn't know who the character of Bar was. I didn't have HBO or Showtime or wherever his, his uh, show was. I had no idea who he was. I thought this was a guy, you know, maybe pretending to be a foreign guy or a foreign guy who was, you know, playing dumb, walking around. And if you listen to the trailer, they make it seem like it's a comedy. And Ashes, you and I were talking about this before you watched this. You know, I was trying to pitch it to you because you were like, oh, my God, this is going to be so fucking stupid. Like, it looked so dumb. And we were talking about it a little bit. And it's like, that's how it was pitched to people. It's actually a very uh, harsh criticism of the American way of life, like the stereotypical way that uh, people are treated in this country, like the way foreign uh, foreign folks view America. Like, you know, when he says, uh, you know, he tells his, his friend there, Azamat, that he's going to go to, uh, he's like, oh, yeah, let's go to California. That's where Pearl Harbor and Texas are, you know, because whatever. Um, you know, that's just the way, like, you know, everything's just kind of lumped together. To me, that's kind of like a, uh, you know, uh, a, a commentary on especially social media, like, oh, I'm leaving France and going to Paris, you know, like that type of shit. You know, like, oh, here I am with the leaning tower of pizza and it's the fucking Eiffel Tower behind them, you know, ignorant Americans, you know, so it's like, oh, everyone's like that. 
Um, it's a very harsh criticism of the American way of life, especially as they travel through the South. And, like, you see some of the shit that they're trying to do. Um, so, like I said, this is the second or third time I've seen it. I think the third time, because I own it, and I, I think I watched it, you know, years ago. Um, but I haven't seen it in at least ten years. Actually, longer than that, because I don't think I watched it since we had been together. Um, so, Ashes, what was your thought going into it? Like, what were you expecting, and what did you see what was how was your mind uh changed or how did it stay the same uh after seeing the film okay so there's a there there's a lot and uh first of all if i had watched this back in 2006 i definitely wouldn't have liked it because i don't think it would have had the effect that it's supposed to have mm -hmm. if i had watched it back then I would have thought, wow, this is stupid, uh, stupid humor. I, I, it's just... And a lot of at, it is. At face, but, I mean, but it's at face value. You know, it's, it's stupid. But when you look at the bigger picture of it... Um, yeah, so, so I think watching it now, especially during this particular time... In American history, you know, well, yeah, with, with everything that's going on. So we watched the first one, uh, Borat, the Bo Monday night, uh, the the Borat cultural learnings for make benefit glorious nation of Kazakhstan. Yeah, cultural learnings of America. Oh, okay. For make I was trying to recite glorious it. nation of Kazakhstan. I was trying to recite it from memory. Well, I mean, you were very close. So Would you like kudos. to know, uh, uh, for people who are unaware, Kazakhstan is an actual country, and there is a city called Semipalatinsk, with two S's, uh, which during the 50s, the Russians evacuated almost everyone out of there and uh, left some people there. Like I'm sure you've seen the beginning of the Indiana, the fourth Indiana Jones movie, and you know some of the 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 footage of atomic bombs going off in like the fake cities to see what kind of damage would happen. Well, the Russians left people in the cities to see what would happen, and this city in Kazakhstan, Semipalatinsk, was one of those cities, and. They left people there and set off some hydrogen bombs, which are far more powerful than your traditional nuclear bombs. And as a result, like, you know, you would see people, you know, decades later born with various birth defects and, you know, the cancer rates are off the charts. And that that whole testing thing was the basis for Wes Craven's The Hills Have Eyes. Fun Kazakhstan fact. Well, not fun, but random Kazakhstan fact. Cool. So anyways, like I was saying, um, I don't think I would have felt the effect that this film is supposed to have uh, if I had watched it back in 2006. Back in 2006, especially as a, everyone going around quoting this, like I was in college when it came out and oh my God, if I heard like, my wife, like one more time, I was going to slap someone. Fortunately, you were old enough to drink at that point. Um, 2006, you turned 21. Well, it depends on. Well, when you were at college, out. so you I were mean, able like, to drink. I mean, like I was in college, so <laughs> I, I just yes, 
the answer is yes. Whether I was old enough or not, y yes. Um, getting crunk on some Arbor Mist. Oh, my God. <laughs> Mad Dog 2020. <laughs> Drink a bottle of that shit, you'll see vapor trails. So, going into this, uh, obviously at this point, I know who Sasha Baron Cohen is. I know that he has done some other works, and I am familiar with the TV show that was, I think it was, was it HBO or was it Showtime? It was one of the two. I don't I, know. I, I never yeah, watched I, it. I forget which one, but uh, whenever it aired... The following day, clips would be on YouTube. Other, you know, John Oliver would be talking about it. Other late night hosts would be talking about it. So, you know, Stephen Colbert, Seth Meyers. Um, you know, so I um, obviously know who he is. Recently, uh, I've been getting into some YouTube videos a lot, and I found it's The Hollywood Reporter. And every year around award seasons, they have these roundtable discussions where it's a lot of the nominated actors, uh, you know, actors, actresses, I prefer to call them all actors, mm -hmm. um, sitting around. And sometimes it's gender based, you know, uh, based on gender, um, which makes them for some really interesting conversations, you know, and sometimes it's, it's mixed genders and sometimes it's, you know, dramatic actors and sometimes it's comedians. And um, these roundtables are fantastic, especially uh, if they have a specific, I forget her name, I think it's Lacey. Um, whenever she moderates something, it's she just does a fantastic job. They are so good. And, you know, watching these actors talk to each other in, you know, not only recognizing their craft and, you know, respecting one another for their craft <laughs> and encouraging each other, being uplifting, talking about the the trials and tribulations of of certain things. It's just it's it's really good discussion and I watched a couple that had Sasha Baron Cohen and the most recent one that I watched had um oh god who is it was Jim Carrey it was Ted Danson it was Henry Winkler it was uh some other guy from from Veep I haven't watched that show but I feel like I need to um Sasha Baron Cohen and um oh and Don Cheadle was on it too was it Tony Hale? No, it wasn't Tony Hale. I know Reed who that is. Reed Scott? I, I forget. Um, Matt Walsh. Mm, I don't... I would have to see faces. But anyways, that's not the point. Um, no. Oh, he was the doctor in The Hangover, which he was a funny movie. But anyways, he's talking about Sasha Baron Cohen, who is... He, he's, a, first of all, a very intelligent person. And very well-spoken, which is so unlike the characters that he portrays. Well, no, I think the character, you know, if you look at Bruno is very well-spoken. It's just he's, but I know what you're saying. Like, his reputation is that, he, oh, he's just doing this cheap comedy. Right. But there's, you know, more to it. And he's very, um, he presents himself in a way that is very unlike his characters mm -hmm. as as well. And listening to him talk about, you know, and, and in he had to be very vague when talking in, in certain terms about certain things that happened. 
um, he really puts his life on the line. Yeah. For some of these roles for, you know, to, in order for certain things to happen. And it didn't so much happen in the first Borat film, but it definitely happened in the second film. Yeah, he was wearing a bulletproof vest for a lot there of were, it. Well, there were, there were two specific occasions where he had to wear a bulletproof vest because they were fearful that something could happen. And, you know, in the first film, he was threatened to be arrested and was arrested several times. But in that second film, like... He talks about, and again, in, in very vague terms for legal purposes, uh, being really scared. He got dragged out of his, like, getaway car, for lack of a better term, uh, by a bunch of uh, people at, like, a gun rally, like a pro-NRA rally. Yeah, and then he was talking a little bit about uh, the, his, his show, and... All because you know the purpose of the show was to talk to politicians and kind of, you know, show people that these politicians aren't all that they crack up to be. Some of us know that already, mm -hmm. but some people don't know that, and you know, try to infiltrate the Republicans and and, and try to get in their head and try to, you know, get these interviews like with Sarah Palin. Mm -hmm. um, and when he sent her on her way, he sent her to the wrong airport. You know, so, I mean, it's, 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 it's funny, but, you know, knowing that there's more to what he's trying to, there's more, it's almost like a, he's, he's like a transformer more than meets the mm. eye. And that's what these films are. So being able to watch Borat now for the first time with the, because I'm not uh, back in 2006, I wasn't as politically driven as I, I am now. I don't think most of now. us were. <laughs> um, I'm a lot more, as the kids say, woke AF. <laughs> don't roll your don't eyes say that. at don't, me. Don't I'm say woke that. AF. I mean, you're 35. Um, <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna go make me a TikTok. You don't even know what TikTok is. Yeah, it's the I guy. I know what TikTok is because it, I just watched. Return to Oz. Yeah, I was gonna say it's the guy from Return guy to Oz. He's the the Oz Army guy. Um, but I can I can appreciate what he was trying to do and his craft more, and I can see the bigger picture through the stupid humor that is presented, which really isn't stupid humor. Right. It's it's a satirical take on the politics of this country. Like when he walks into the gun shop and says, "What would be the best gun?" for killing Jews. And the guy's like, well, you know, you could get a three fifty seven Magnum, you could get this, you could get Which, that. honestly, like, I find hilarious because Sasha Baron Cohen is Jewish. Yeah, he did a lot of anti-Semitic jokes, but, again, they were in, done in a satirical way to highlight not his anti-Semitism, but the anti-Semitism of the people with whom he was speaking. And that's the thing. So it's not so much Borat. It's people reacting to Borat or the lack of reactions to Borat. He doesn't and, and, and says a lot of cringy things mm -hmm. and creates a lot of cringy moments. And what makes those 
things that are said and what makes those moments even cringier is the way that people reacted or lack the way of they reaction. Receive, the way they receive what he's saying. Like, um, because it's almost like, you know, him saying certain things, you know, sometimes and I'm trying to think of <laughs> the best way to say this. You know, sometimes people don't know better because that's not how they conduct themselves in their country. Right, like the scene at the dinner party when he needs to be explained how a bathroom works, how a toilet works. You know, versus we should know better. Like if someone comes up to you, like the only group that really um, refused to put up with this shit was the feminist group. Well, and and fun fact about that, and, and I kind of want to get into just like who the character is and the background yeah, of the yeah. character in a moment. Um, but the, the the feminist group that he met with, so obviously, after a couple of minutes, you know, they weren't stupid. They realized that this was a spoof. That this was this was. You yeah, know, he's like, "Come on, kitten, why don't you smile?" One of the women went to see the film. And seeing the film in the bigger picture, like the grand scheme of things, the greater context, she couldn't stop raving about it. So obviously, in that moment, she was disgusted. Yes. But looking at the bigger picture of things, she couldn't stop raving about the film and recommended it to everybody mm -hmm. because of the, the the social commentary of that film and and you know that particular scene it's you know a commentary on how women are treated yeah and again the the way this film is pitched it's not pitched as a as a, a political satire it's pitched as a goofball over the top comedy with you know it's like a fish out of water story because there are some things that are played solely for laughs like the the naked wrestling scene. See, I have a theory about that though. Because of where they ended up. Well, not only that, um, I think it's so the the naked wrestling scene, which again was uh, cringing to watch. Um, I think that it served as satire for the way that Americans view foreigners. Like, oh, look at my crazy customs. Hairy apes fighting over one another. I mean, I guess... Uh, I didn't get that, but that is certainly... You know, how, how you know, no, I shouldn't say, like, not just apes, but, like, animals. How we view, uh, I'm using the universal, the, the, the royal we right now, how we view foreigners... We, as in, as not royal we, royal we would just mean you. Royal we, the, the, the we the, the, as the, in, the like, we, the, the collective the, we. Yes, 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 just like, you know... It's the, late and you're sleepy. Um, we, as in, you know, just... Uh, Anyways, how people view foreigners as animals. Yes, how it's it's just they're how, leaning into the stereotype, right? And and I think that's what that you know, obviously it's it's ugh. like no no decorum. Like how how dare they treat them? How dare you know. they act this way? Exactly. And we definitely and, see that in the second one. And you know because both of them are. 
presenting themselves as being rather animalistic and, you know, not wearing clothes. Running around fighting each other. Is, is very barbaric and animalistic. Yeah, and some and people I are shocked just by think, that. Yeah, and I think that... And also I think it's commentary on how Americans view nudism. Mm-hmm. Because some countries just don't care. Yeah, some countries are very much... Uh, they're, they're a lot... The notions Freer. of modesty vary from country to country. And not only that, like, we want things to be hairless and tight and pretty and nice to look at. And, you know, human bodies aren't. Yeah, very rarely. You know, and generally not without a lot of uh, cosmetics and You know, it's like, it, we work. want things to look a certain way. And in that scene, you know, both of them don't look appealing in that way. Yeah, y there's a certain aesthetic that we are looking for as Americans that, you know, we hold a certain uh, standard of beauty. Right. So I, I that's what I got. I, I, upon further, like... Consideration. Thought, yeah, further consideration into that scene, like, you know, because I, I was thinking about it, and I feel like everything serves a purpose, after listening to you know these these interviews and what have you with Sasha Baron Cohen, you know, he's not going to throw something in there just for laughs. He doesn't do things just for Everything laughs. Like purpose. he wants things to be funny, but he wants things to have a purpose. And I think that was the purpose of that scene. And was, I think was to, to, to make that point. It was to make you feel uncomfortable and then have you question, well, why am I feeling uncomfortable? And I think the 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 reasoning for having some of these things, like the way he presents some of the comedy, um, the way you're reacting to it is basically, um, you know, he's looking for people to react, but, you know, it's also how you react. Like, if you're looking at the uh, scene where he's singing the national anthem... And you look at it and you're getting angry and you're getting so mad, like, oh, my God, how dare he ruin our song? Like, what is he doing? And it's like, well, he said this is what he was going to do. And he didn't, like, run out there and no one knew he was going to be there. Like he said, he's going to sing the Kazakh national anthem to the tune of the American national anthem. Like he he got the option to go sing at this rodeo. And at first, everybody's behind everything he says, like, you know, and he was trying to be as absolutely ridiculous as possible. Like, I support your war of terror. And everyone starts cheering like, you know, you know, um, the line of I hope George Bush drinks the blood of every man, woman and children in, in Iraq. And people are like roaring with applause. So, fun fact about that Kazakhstan national anthem that he sang. So, at a shooting event in Kuwait, where Kazakh shooter Maria Dmitrienko, I probably just completely hacked that up, won the gold medal, the Asian Olympic Committee accidentally played Borat's parody of the Kazakhstan national anthem in the medal ceremony instead of the official national anthem. Oh my god. They probably just played, so, like, looked it up on YouTube. 
Kazakh officials heavily protested and a rerun of the medal ceremony took place. To prevent the same embarrassment from happening at the 2012 London Olympic Games, the Kazakhstan government specifically guided the London Games organizing committee on the correct national anthem. That's unbelievable. Like that, that's, you know, uh, that's inexcusable. That's inexcusable. That'd be like putting up Ralph's version of Oh Canada. Oh Canada. <laughs> um, yeah, it's ugh. or instead of Oh Canada, they they played Blame Canada yeah. from South Park. <laughs> Blame Canada. Although I did see Robin Williams perform that at an awards show, and it was fucking amazing. Um, but yeah, some of the uh, like again, some of the stuff that you see, it's it's uh, like. The way women are treated, the way he's constantly, uh, he's very uh, anti-Semitic, but he's anti-Semitic towards certain people because you get, you know, people have this reputation in certain parts of the country for being homophobic, racist, xenophobic. And we see that with, again, the rodeo scene where he's talking about like, oh, yeah, in my country, we're trying to, you know, kill and, you know, all the all the homosexuals and, you know, this, you know. You know, cowboy, because they weren't in Texas yet. I don't believe. I think they were in like Alabama, or they were on their way. He he's like, yeah, that's what we're trying to do too. And you know, again, like I said, you know, he goes to the gun store. I think in like Georgia, and he's like, hey, you know, what's the best gun for killing Jews? You know, and it's. But he did add in that the guy wouldn't sell him a gun because he was a foreigner. Right, but that's the only so so he wouldn't sell him a gun, not because he clearly intended to shoot somebody with it, but because he was a foreigner. Right. Um, the other the other thing was at the car dealership asking, you know, is the Hummer good for running down gypsies, and how fast would I have to go to hit them really hard? What kind of damage would I see? And the guy's like, oh, yeah, you could, with this 35 miles an hour, you could kill a ton of gypsies. And we see a similar thing in the second movie with the propane. Like, how many, you know, with this propane tank, how many gypsies could I could I kill in my van? He's like, well, as many as you could get in there. It's like, like, you, it's marketed as Borat is this terrible like character but it's like no it's the people with whom he's interacting like instead of saying yeah you could kill as many as you can get in there it should be like why do you want to kill people well like I was telling you before we watched the second film to me it's kind of like when you see those late night infomercials you know as seen on TV like the Snuggie or you know mm-hmm. some of these other uh, inventions that make people say, "Oh, why would anybody need that? That's just lazy." Have people have Americans really gotten so lazy? And in all honesty, a lot of those products were made and designed for people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. Like a snuggie was actually designed for people in wheelchairs. Correct. And a lot of these, um, you know, and they show over the infomercials are ridiculous. They show people like chopping things and like, oh, my hand's cramping. Oh, I cut my my hand off. Oh, you know, like it's it is ridiculous. But there are a lot of people out there, you know, people with arthritis, people with, you know, 
missing limbs. Great, you know, what have you, like, you know, disabilities who need help performing daily activities. So a lot of these, as seen on TV, uh, inventions were made and designed with these people, you know, people with disabilities in, in mind. However, there isn't... You know, I forget the percentage. Uh, you know, the disabled population only makes up a certain percentage of the American population. It's a very low minority. Therefore, in order for these products to really be made and to make money, they have to market it to the rest of the population. Right. So a lot of these things that you see that you comment on, oh, have people really gotten this lazy? It's actually marketed for people with disabilities like it's really not for you unless you know maybe you're like you know sometimes i have difficulties with my hands you know like i i have you know stuff going on like you don't know so don't make those kinds of comments so that's what i felt like you know these films are it's not some it's presented as like oh it's a stupid comedy wah wah wee wah but like there's more to it right if they actually marketed it towards the real intended audience it would be playing at like art house theaters right like it, it wouldn't make money it wouldn't you know there wouldn't be a second film, you know, there wouldn't have been Bruno, there wouldn't have been, you know, the This Ali is America. Well, I mean, Ali G well, came conti- out. Yeah, they didn't make an Ali G movie, I don't think. No, it was just a show, but he was in that Madonna video. Um, so, fun fact, Borat, the character, was first developed for the purpose of short skits on an F2F on Granada... Granada, Granada, Talk TV that Baron Cohen presented in 1996 to 97. So 10 years so before. this character had been around for a while. And the name of the character at that point was Alexi Crickler. Uh, it changed names a couple more times before becoming Borat. And... Apparently, uh, it, it kind of like this character went through different incarnations. So, like the first character was Alexi Crickler, the second character was Christo Schiptari. I think it's S H Q I P T A R I. And it's that character right. was picked up by BBC's two comedy, uh, BBC Two's Comedy Nation. And Like, the character, like... Baron Cohen kind of... I'm just going to call him Sasha. Sasha decided to kind of, like, combine the characters and, you know, turn them into Borat. So, like, he was doing these characters, and then he decided that he wasn't going to do them to focus on Ali G., Mm-hmm. And he had that show, like, The Ali G Show. And then there was, like, Ali G in the house or something like that. Um, yeah, I never watched. You know, and then yeah. eventually he decided to revisit Some this of his character. Yeah. Right, and, and, and that's how Borat was created. Borat so Sagdiev. Borat was born and raised in the village of Kuz, 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 Kuz,
in Kazakhstan uh, to Maryam Tulia Tulyakbi. This is going to be fun. Tulyakbi and Boltok the Rapist. Yeah, he was the town rapist. And that yeah. was one of the things he told him at the uh, when he was leaving for America. He's like, hey, only humans, no animals. Yeah. Which is. Ugh. But again, it's satire to the, you know, uh, the way people are, are, are viewed and stuff. Uh, says his mother gave birth to him when she was nine years old. She is shown as a short old lady revealed to be 43 years old in the 2006 film. <laughs> the oldest person in our village. She's a 43. He has a remarkably well-endowed 13-year-old son named Huey Lewis. Huey Lewis. <laughs> a tw- 12-year-old twin boys named Bilak and Biram. And 17 grandchildren. He has a sister, Natalia, whom at times, uh, whom at different times he has described as the number four prostitute in the whole of Kazakhstan. And she had the trophy to prove it. Mm-hmm. Uh, another sister who appears to be a very young teenage girl is shown at the beginning of the film. Uh, it has been revealed in an interview with a general practitioner that he caught syphilis from one of his sisters during a Kazakh folk festival. He also has a younger brother, Bilo, who is intellectually disabled and kept locked in a cage. Bilo was not always disabled and was shown as an average early teenage boy. At some point, Bilo suffered brain damage during an exorcism when another brother of Borat's tried to release a demon from Bilo through the traditional Kazakh folk remedy, quote-unquote, of opening the skull and sticking the tooth of a red-haired woman in the brain. Yeah, I mean, that's no different (laughs) from like, oh, I have to level out your bodily humors. You have too much blood. Let's leech you. Like, that's... Yeah, it's again, it's a it's a commentary on how we view foreign uh, foreign medicine. And and, uh, when you meet his sister, Natalia, he walks up to her and gives her a very passionate kiss. He goes, this is Natalia. And he kisses her. She is my sister. You know, for maximum comedic effect. But not only that, that's commentary on how other countries are very open to the idea of showing emotion and showing love. That's a little different. Yeah, but but I mean I think that's what it an open mouth tongue kiss is a little no, bit No, but I mean like but you know throughout the film like he greets people by doing the the, the traditional the, the, the European on the cheek. kiss on the cheeks. Yes. Yeah. And a lot of people over here have a difficult time with a hand. I mean, well, especially now. Um, but, you know, before COVID, you know, a, a lot of people had, you know, difficult time with a handshake, with a hug. Yeah, you like know, that one like, guy told him he'd break show, his jaw on the subway. We, yeah, we don't show emotion. We don't show love. We don't show compassion and respect, you know, the way that other countries do. Mm-hmm. You know, we are very cold. We can be. As far as that's concerned. It's, well, especially, with Especially, well, I mean, yeah, but especially with uh, interactions with the same gender. Hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, it's not the same because it's a, you know, it's a I think different was, culture. You know, because yeah. I think some of this is also a commentary on toxic masculinity. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's a very interesting character, and he... And he is the, what, number three? Number three reporter, reporter in all of Kazakhstan. He, yes, and he's going to America to... Do a documentary. Yeah, interview people so that he can bring that knowledge back to Kazakhstan to make Kazakhstan great, great again. again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, make Kazakhstan great again. Makagaga. Uh, but yeah, he, and we see a little bit more of this, like, they really lean into the cultural, um, Uh, stereotypes or 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 not stereotypes like the beliefs that people have like oh well you're foreign so things must be you know fucking wacky over there it reminds me of the 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 simpsons episode where bart gets a globe for his birthday and he mistakes Rand mcnally for a country and lisa's like oh yeah and Rand mcnally they wear hats on their feet and hamburgers eat people you know so they kind of lean into like almost the satirical view of foreigners and they're trying to make a gift of Johnny the Monkey, the uh, the what is it? The Secretary of Entertainment and number one porn star in all of Kazakhstan, and he is a literal chimpanzee. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not just like a nickname. Um, and they talk. They talk at the beginning of the film how like he gets you know he flies over to you know or he takes a luxury cruise ship. And Borat takes a cargo ship, and he arrives 22 days later, and he makes, like, all these different stops and all these different ports around the world. But we also get to meet Borat's daughter. Well, I was going to finish talking about the first film before oh, okay. we went all on right. to the second one. So, I think the big thing in the first film is his quest for Pamela Anderson. <sighs> Which is... And that scene... If you've seen it, uh, she was unaware of what was going to happen. That's a lie. Really? She knew. She knew. So, um, oh, see, let's I always see. Heard the other. So, some fun facts about the first film of Borat. Uh, the police were called on Sasha Baron Cohen 92 times during the production <laughs> of this film. Um, let's see. The FBI assigned a team to Sasha Baron Cohen during the filming of Borat due to numerous reports of, quote, a Middle Eastern man traveling the Midwest in an ice cream truck. With a bear. (laughs) (laughs) I will say that was one of the funniest scenes when they couldn't get the ice cream music off and they pulled over and the kids came running and the bear stuck her head out the window. The suit and underwear that he wore while playing Borat had deliberately never been cleaned. Yep. And it was done to make the character smell, quote, foreign. Mm -hmm. To kind of give in to that stereotype. Uh, Sasha reacted to lawsuits, which he received several of them. Oh, yeah. 
by commenting, some of the letters I get are quite unusual, like the one where the lawyer informed me I'm about to be sued for $100,000, and at the end says, P.S., loved the movie. Can you sign a poster for my son, Jeremy? See, and that's the thing, is like a lot of people sued him or tried to sue him for defamation, but I think they should just use the Tucker Carlson defense, whereas like nobody should take this seriously. He's clearly playing a character. Cindy Strait, Borat's etiquette consultant, subsequently hired high-profile attorney Gloria Allred, who demanded that the California Attorney General investigate fraud allegedly committed by Sasha Baron Cohen and the film's producers. Like, what fraud? Like, I mean, pretending to be another person. I mean, like, there there could be right, something but, there. I feel like there could be something there, but it's a stretch. I'm sure that she was paid for her services. Like, everybody was compensated for their services, their time. Like, even the, the guy at the, the car dealership got commission on that ice cream truck. So, the only people who were in on all of this happening were Borat, Sasha Baron Cohen, the actor who played Azamat, Lunell, who mm-hmm. her name is, is really Lunel in, in, in real life, yeah. and she's adorable, and Pamela Anderson. Oh. When Borat is trying to kidnap Pamela Anderson, none of her bodyguards knew about the premise That's of the film. That's what it was. Which is why they tackled Borat with such force and authority. However, Pamela Anderson was in on the gag and really handed up. So initially, and I didn't know that when I initially watched that, and that was the one scene where I turned to you and I was like, I feel like this part was really unnecessary. But now that I know that she knew i mean i mean hell she's a better actor than i gave, ever gave yeah. her credit for <laughs> um but now that i know that she's in on the joke i i it's okay like i i'm okay yeah with that. See, I, I, I feel like you know so yeah maybe that's what i had heard that it was her bodyguards that weren't aware he's he's not an asshole no. Like, he's not an asshole. He's very, he's a very respectful person. And, you know, I don't know. Uh, I know now he's married and he has children. I don't know if that was, you know, his situation at the time. But, you know, he's, Sasha Baron Cohen is actually really respectful to people in general, but especially women, you know. So I, I he's not going to do that. He's not going to go up and attempt to kidnapped so knowing that makes me enjoy this the the whole scene him trying to propose to her with this marriage engagement sack they got married in 2010 so you know it's yeah the traditional uh, (laughs) kazakhstan wedding sack so which brings us to the the second film that just dropped on amazon prime a few weeks ago not even. Not even. A couple weeks ago. Last, like the 20th. What is time anymore? I know. We've been, it's it's been election day for the past three days. Like, it's been 2020 for like. 16 years. 500 years at this point. Like, I. I know. I know. Ugh. 
we we actually talked to someone the other day and they were like oh yeah do you remember we met in february and i was like yeah that was like 12 years ago like it just i i don't all i do is work yeah and i work and i come home occasionally you drink wine all work and no wine Makes ashes something something. Go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mind if I do. Uh, uh, so anyways, and I, I, this was obviously a really good time for this film to come out, you know, just with, with the current political that was climate. Their, and, and, that and that was the, was the intention. Yeah. yeah. And nobody really knew that this was happening. Yeah, it just came except out of nowhere. For, right, except for the people. I mean, there wasn't like a, there, there was a trailer. That came out, and all of a sudden, it's like, holy shit, this is a thing. I, I will say, like, I don't want to get too deep into spoiler territory, because there's a lot of good stuff, Like, so I don't want to talk about too, too much. Like, we can talk a little bit in... Like, we can talk about the book in vague terms, because <laughs> the book is, is nutty. But uh, I will say, one of the things that uh, has been debated back and forth in the news... Uh, I have never needed to lay down on a bed and shove my hands down my pants and leave them there in order to tuck in a shirt. Just throwing that out there. I mean, I'm not like a 70-year-old man who, who married my cousin twice, but still, uh, I, I've never... I mean, be, I mean, watching that scene, uh, Rudy's very creepy... Well, I mean, I mean, he just in general, yeah. He looks like great value Count Orlock, um, but it's he is definitely uh, he's definitely playing with himself. He's got his hands down his pants, and he is definitely uh, you know he thinks he's going to be getting some action, and. Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, when you know, obviously was aware of what was going on, burst in because he was afraid for uh, was it Maria Balakova? Bakalova. Bakalova. Maria Bakalova. Uh, he was afraid for her safety Who at that point. Fucking delight she in was this film. Ama- she was oh so good. Oh my goodness! Good. So I know we're talking about Borat, but like I want to talk about Tutar. Well, we have to because well, I mean, we have to talk about Tutar because. Uh, she's she's uh, main part of the film, and and she drives the plot along with Borat's kind of character evolution, which I really enjoyed. I definitely think that you know with this one you have to you have to have her in this because some of the stuff that he does hinges on having her there, like the scene, like oh we have to take you to a doctor, and they go to like an abortion clinic because she swallowed a plastic baby. That was on a cupcake. Well, it, it wasn't an abortion clinic. It was a Christian. Oh, it was just a Christian. It was a Christian clinic. Okay. I thought it was. Because the, they specifically went no, to. No, which is right. why the person that they met with spewed out Bible verses. Well, at I them. just assumed it was because they were in the South. No, no. That, <laughs> w- that was not an abortion. Like, that was like a Christian. Okay. Cost like th- something like but that. But the way like they a- were discussing it was like 
she wanted to have an abortion. Like, they didn't say, oh, she accidentally swallowed a, a plastic cake topper. Right. It was kind of like the lost in translation. Um, you know, she swallowed a baby. She. I put b- this. B- it's my fault this baby is in her stomach. I'm trying to, like, not give. <laughs> this is. Difficult. Well, part of it was um, in the trailer. Yeah. So so she swallows this plastic baby, and she doesn't say that she swallowed it, though. She just says, I have a baby in me. But obviously, you're in on the joke because you know she swallowed the plastic baby. And uh, on top of this this cupcake. And so she th- she's at this hospital. She's like, I have this baby in me. I, I need this baby out of me. And... Borat is the one who fed her the cupcake and was like, oh, I put the baby in there. So it's making it seem like it's this incestuous relationship. And the cringy part is the fact that the doctor that they were that that they were with, the physician, maybe, um, wasn't so much concerned about the potential of incest he was more concerned about the fact that he was interpreting it as she wanted an abortion yeah and and and, and how she should keep the baby god doesn't make mistakes yeah like there's there's a lot more to it like the scene is really it's really really fucking difficult um because he he does like and, and as you've if you've seen borat and you haven't seen this like the way he pushes the envelope and like really is like, I'm going so far over the top that any rational fucking person would listen to what I'm saying and be like, okay, this guy is just being a troll. And like the the, the rodeo scene where he's like, I support your war of terror. And then he's like, I hope George, your, you know, what do you call him? Premier George Bush drinks the blood of every single man, yeah. woman, and child. And people are cheering that. It's like... Yeah, again, like it's it's He's trying not, to be ridiculous. It's it's situational humor at times, uh, to the point where, you know, if if this person had asked for the whole story, like, well, what do you mean? You know, versus jumping to conclusions. He said his fucking name was Steve Chevrolet, like <laughs> Because like, <laughs> um, that's the big thing. He has to Borat has to uh, disguise himself because people know who he is. And yeah, and the first you know few minutes, like the opening of the film, when he it's, yeah when, when he, he comes, comes to back. America, um, it's it's him being like, oh my god, you know, people are like Borat, Borat, and you know, I asked a question like, I wonder how many people think Borat is an actual person based and on, not a character. Based on what we've seen, probably, probably a lot. But but yeah, so. Some fun facts about the film, seeing as we don't want to go into too much spoiler territory. Yeah. Sasha Baron Cohen sat nearly five hours in a toilet stall at the 2020 Conservative Political Action Conference until Vice President Mike Pence, Mikhail Pence, (laughs) Vice Premier Mikhail Pence, was about to appear on stage. Five hours in a toilet stall dressed as Donald Trump. Yeah, it's like he also spent five whole days with pro-conservatives Jerry Holloman 
and Jim Russell without breaking character as Borat. The scene where he quarantines. He's trying to kill the coronavirus with a pan. Yes. With <laughs> Is this virus? Um, fine, young conservatives. Gentlemen. Uh, I I will say this about them. They took a complete foreign stranger into their home during yes. quarantine. So they're not, he's trying to illustrate, like, they might believe wacky, crazy-ass shit, like how the virus got to America, which is... They do get into, and I don't want to spoil. It's like there is a scene before that in the, that's in the trailer where he's like, "What's worse, Democrats or the virus?" And they're like, "Democrats," and like they believe some weird shit. But at the same time, like some of the outfits will say that he was wearing as he was like running around their cabin. You you remember mm-hmm. what I'm talking about? Yes. Uh, they put up with him. They allowed him to, like, he was sitting there with a pan, and he's like, I see virus, and he would, like, bang the pan on the wall, trying, like, he was killing a spider. And they were, those two guys were more, like, understanding of him and his culture, or, like, the fact that he was, again, like, the I think the best way to describe it is a fish out of water. Um, They were more understanding than most of the other people that we had seen throughout the two films. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you so that. So I, I do want to, you know, we're not just sitting here shitting on everyone that he dealt with because these guys, again, believe some weird shit, like especially the origins of the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like they are... And the the uh, hobbies of the Clintons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. But they were good people, nonetheless. Because Bart even says he's like, "Oh, what's going on?" And he's like, "There's a there's a virus, and you know everyone's quarantining." And he's like, "I can stay at your house." And the guy's like, he thought about it, and he's like, "Yeah, I guess. Like you you can you can come stay with me." And he stayed with them for five days, and they wrote a song together and like they did some other stuff that you see in the later on in the film that's like what's crazy about that song though is that whole scene not the whole scene but that scene was leaked in and i think um i think john oliver just talked about it i think a couple of other people discussed it as well because i thought maybe it was for this is america mm-hmm. that that scene of him Dressed as this country singer. Oh, what was this, Steve? Country Steve. You know, um, <laughs> performing this song. Yeah. I mean, you can find obviously you can find you know the 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 footage of it on YouTube. Oh, country but, Steve. But come to find out, you know, we just thought it was it was you know Sasha Baron Cohen trolling this you know pro Trump rally you know this 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 you know conservative audience and you know come to find out it was part of this film yeah and they and And what's crazy is that was you know the the footage was released and people still didn't know that it was a Borat film (laughs) and those guys helped him write the song um so anyways Borat's daughter in this movie, Tutar, 
She's actually speaking Bulgarian, which is the native language of actor Maria Bakalova. Mm-hmm. And he seems to understand her perfectly. Meanwhile, the Kazakh premiere is played by a Romanian actor who says his line in, lines in Romanian. And Sasha Baron Cohen as Borat is speaking Hebrew while his producer, Azamat, in the first film spoke Armenian. But they seem to understand each other. And all of this was done to point out the fact that American audiences can't notice the difference between foreign languages. Um, if they had been speaking like Spanish and Italian or French or one of the Romance languages, I would have picked that up. But I am not familiar with most of those languages, which is weird because over in uh, Europe, you know, you are taught six or seven languages. Like a lot of schools, they will teach the Romance languages because, you know, uh, it's weird. Like European travel is very, very common. So, you know, oh, I'm going to spend, you know, I live in in Germany. Well, I'm going to spend a week in France and then I'm going to take a trip to Switzerland, you know. I mean, both places you'll be speaking French, but, um, you know, you kind of get... So you learn the languages of the countries around you in case you travel there, as opposed to in America where some people struggle to grasp English Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's like, well, I'm not going to learn to speak French or... or, uh, or Spanish, you know, you have to take one of those foreign languages. But it's like, it would be smart to take both because if you travel to, say, Canada, while the dialects are different, you know, for especially, you know, French Canada and, you know, France are not going to be the same, but you can at least get by, you know, just like all di- all Spanish, is, uh, Spanish uh, dialects are different, like Colombian Spanish is different from Mexican Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um Right, but it's but the you, same in the United States. But if, yeah, but if you learn, so I took Spanish in high school, mm-hmm. and I learned it enough where I mean, it, 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 the the statement "if you don't use it, you lose it" is is fully true. Yes. I, I, you know, still remember some key phrases and, and and words and stuff. But I was, you know, I wasn't fluent, but I was fairly. Decent. I was proficient. I passed Spanish as a second language. In it. And I was able to go to the Dominican. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it, although it was definitely different, I was able to communicate with, you know, people right. down it, there. It's, it's Again, it's just like, you know, you know if you want to get a... a a sandwich, you know, is it a torpedo, a hero, a grinder, a hoagie? It all depends on where you are, mm-hmm. you know? Like, it's, it's, there are different dialects. Is it a bubbla or a water fountain? You know, are they jimmies the or sprinkles? Bub- no, they're not jimmies. Yeah, I know. But I'm just saying, like, you know, depending on where you mm-hmm. go, even in different parts of New England, like Massachusetts and Maine, we both speak English, but we both speak English very, very differently. So, you know, it's it's the same with these you know, countries in Europe, which is why they teach you all these different languages. And generally, the first thing you learn is how to swear. Mm. Yeah. So, professional babysitter Janice Jones, 
who was fantastic, I thought. Oh, she was so good. Was paid $3,600 to appear in the movie, but she, as most other people who appear in the film, was under the impression that it was a serious documentary and had no idea that Sasha Baron Cohen and Maria Bakalova were playing made-up characters. She later praised the performance of Bakalova and admitted that she had her completely fooled. Yeah, I mean, and she was she was really good, like asking her, like you know, is this really what you want, and like trying to explain things to her. Yeah, yeah, and explain things to her and treat her like a her, you know, and that's a, a, as a person should be. And that's a big treated. that's a big you know running theme throughout this film is there's a uh, there's a a book an instruction manual that uh, all parents of daughters receive in Kazakhstan mm-hmm. and. You know, one of the biggest things she's like, "Oh my God, that woman is driving." No, that's not a woman. That's Dog the Bounty Hunter. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's it's all about. Uh, it's a very uh, pro woman feminist type of film. You know, like you don't. It's it's a lot of it's a lot about women. Uh, earning their bodily autonomy and like we're looking at these other countries and it's like oh my god can you imagine that they're like this meanwhile we have uh, six conservative judges on the Supreme Court and what we're worried about is Roe versus Wade mm-hmm. even though 77% of the country supports it they don't care because this is their religion yeah I, I, I really love having my rights decided by a bunch of old white men to be fair there's one black guy and a couple of women but i know exactly what you're saying like uh i look at it as i don't have any right we are married and i have no right to tell you what to do because it's not me you are not my supervisor (laughs) i do have a supervisor so the original title of Borat's subsequent movie film was <gasps> Borat, gift of pornographic monkey to Vice Premier Mikhail Pence to make benefit recently diminished nation of Kazakhstan. Yes. And we get to see the, the title kind of change throughout the film. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is it the opening of this movie reminds me a lot of the opening of Rambo 2 where he's got the long hair and the beard and he's you know, working in a yard just, like, breaking big rocks into little rocks. Yeah, that was his punishment for disgracing his country. I thought he would be executed. Yeah, and, and uh, Azamat, whose real name is Ken, was uh, was uh, turned into a chair. Yeah. <laughs> he was the upholstery for the chair. Uh, interesting uh, What? how they upholstered him. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yes, yes. Uh, yeah, it's weird. Um, uh, this one definitely, and the end definitely has a usual suspects vibe. This definitely is more of a production, like a legitimate production, than uh, the first one was. Like the first one, like there's definitely a lot of like combination of real camera work and almost like spy camera work, like someone was recording this with a camera sticking out of like a shopping bag. Um, But this one definitely had some real production value to it, especially the scenes with 
um, the uh, the higher ups in Kazakhstan. So apparently, while filming at the rally in Olympia, that's where he performed the mm-hmm. song. The militia present had been antagonizing Black Lives Matters protesters nearby. <gasps> the group sent some protesters in undercover and were the first to realize that it was Sasha Baron Cohen on stage as Country Steve. Word got out to the crowd and they attempted to storm the stage. According to Cohen, one person had even reached for their handgun. Since Cohen hired security, he was able to safely get off stage with ample time before the crowd stormed the stage. In a clip Cohen shared online, the crowd had even found and were approaching the production vehicle he hid in. Yeah, that's what I was talking Like, they so, tried to drag him out of it. Yeah, like, he genuinely felt that he was risking his life making this film. Unlike the first Borat film, in which he was famously arrested nearly 100 times during production, Cohen was facing arguably more dangerous situations due to the COVID-19 pandemic and various political protests, rallies, and riots. He even said there were two separate occasions in which he had to wear a bulletproof vest. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there were watching this film. There were a couple of times there were a couple of scenes where I was just like, yeah, that shouldn't like I don't know how he got out of that. OK. Like, so, yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's I definitely recommend this film. Well, I have a couple more things. Okay. So we can end on kind of like a, a nice. OK. Note. OK. Yeah. So obviously Borat is known for you know, disparaging Jews. Yes. And, yeah, I know what you're gonna say. Uh, poking fun at them and being afraid of them and believing in all of these different stereotypes. So when he met, went to the the synagogue. Yes, and met Holocaust survivor Judith Dim Evans, and has that really nice interaction with her. It's almost she like he broke v- character with her. Um. He actually let her know about the joke about being filmed. Like after they filmed that, that's a great scene. That's probably my favorite scene of the film. He, yeah. So he, you know, after filming, after they got what they had gone there to get, he completely broke character and went and and spoke with her because obviously, you know, Sasha Baron Cohen is Jewish. Yes. So you know, he spoke with her, and the film is actually dedicated to her because she died shortly after filming. Yes. And um, he did, like, there was a donation that was made in, in her name or, mm-hmm. you know, he did he did something for uh, a foundation that she was, uh, I forget the specifics. Right, but yes, he, he uh, is donating some of the proceeds of the film to like the Holocaust survivors, yes. the anti-defamation league, some something in that. In yes, that, uh, yes. In but that because vein. you know, I mean, he just thought that he was going to walk into this synagogue, and you know, uh, maybe nobody would be there, and he would just kind of, you know. But there were two women in there. But there were two women in there, and when she came forward and said, you know, I lived through this. What yeah, you because were there's doing, a whole thing about yes, the Holocaust. And, yes, mm. and and you know he. Which really shows to, you know, to, to me anyways, you know, that 
nothing is more important than respecting and valuing somebody's life experiences and and understanding history right yeah a- acknowledging that it happened so let that's that's all we'll say about yes, that because that's that's, that that's a great great scene though like genuinely emotional and at the end of the film i'm not going to say exactly what happens because this ending is fantastic i really enjoyed it mm-hmm. but at the end of the film borat says you were amazing to tutar in hebrew while hugging her which was actually sasha baron cohen breaking character to compliment maria bakalova yeah you know that was the final scene that they shot and she just you know eventually will have to do an episode solely on, on tutar. tutar yeah because her character was fantastic she was amazing i am hoping and f- how she conducted herself in certain situations i am definitely hoping for a um for a physical release of this because i want to see some of the deleted scenes scenes. and and commentary yes yeah yes and you know the fact that this was filmed in secret between the you know end of summer 2019 to the beginning pretty much the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic it was as soon as as soon as uh crews could um start shooting again it was like the next day they were out producing the movie Mm -hmm. and you can tell because i remember at the beginning of this you know late mid to late march early april when nobody was out anywhere now i don't know where it is you know how it was for everybody who's listening but for us like we would have to go to the store at night and there was no one on the road it was eerie it was like driving around in the walking dead going to work yeah in the morning because everything was closed I mean, it was it's it was surreal, and I have a feeling we're going to get back to that point. But uh, yeah. that's neither you know that's neither here nor there. Yeah, that's for right now. Time. Um, but I did like the the message at the very end of this film. Yes, encouraging people to go vote, and I really hope that you all did. I hope that your voices were heard. And yeah, and hurry we'll, up, Georgia. We'll see. Georgia, like, what the fuck is going on in Nevada? I don't care about Nevada. Georgia's got 16. Nevada's only got six. Like, but, but anyways. I mean, I'll take them both. Go out there. Make good choices. Do good things. Be good people. Wash your hands. Be nice. (laughs) Wash your hands. Wear a mask. That's nice. Wear uh, a mask. Oh, God. You and your Muppet voice. All right, so I recommend this movie. I think you do, too. I'm a Muppet. Yes. Not. <laughs> Not. <laughs> so we will be... Uh... Right back. Hey, everybody. We are the Derailers, Goobs, Ripkin, and Jenny Bean, and you can join us once every week for a brand new derailment. It includes sidetracking, randomness. We just can't stay on topic. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Derailers. And please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and also on YouTube. Derailers! Hi, I'm Mike Price. I'm a writer on The Simpsons. I co-created Ephes for Family, and you're listening to Throwdown Thursday Podcast. movie film which brought great shame to Kazakhstan. 
But now I was instructed to return to Yankee Land to carry out secret mission. I go to America! What do you say? No, it's not me. People make recognize my face. I would need disguises. This man is sex criminal? No, no sex criminal. I will take this to be a fat <laughs> like American man. Yeah? This is a good one. <laughs> Where is his crumb? What is problem, officer? Got somebody that's strapped to the top of your car. He's in that passenger seat, boss. Only men and bears are allowed inside car. I'm here to give my daughter as a gift to someone close to the throne. I need dress with real sexy peels. Uh, this is a bag that just goes mm, over the dress. They're nice. I really like this. Let us present Sandra Jessica Parker Drummond. I want this one with the baby on it. I have a baby inside me. Can you take it out? No, we cannot. That's not what we do here. I feel bad because I was the one who put the baby in her. Did you ever put one in your daughter? No, I did not. Where is everybody? They're wanting everybody to quarantine so they don't spread this virus. Could I stay in your home? I hope quarantine mm -hmm. never ends. What is more dangerous, this uh, virus or the Democrat? Democrats. 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 So killing some of the virus. No, you can't see the virus. No, it's still there. If you think you see a virus go like that. This makes the virus sleepy. And then when it's sleeping... The daddy has a lot to learn. My daddy is the smartest person in the whole flat world. <laughs> and while the risk of coronavirus remains low, as the president said yesterday, we're ready for it. Michael Penis, I brought the girl for you. Borat subsequent movie film. You fist me. Right. Uh, now I fist you? All right, there you what go. do you prefer? You fist me or I fist you? Same time. Fist each other. There, yeah, you, go. there you go. And we're back. That, of course, was the uh, trailer for the second Borat film. Uh, the Borat subsequent movie film. And uh, I hope you enjoyed that that conversation that we had. I think it uh, really shines a light. If you haven't seen either of the films, uh, they're on Stars on Amazon. So we did the uh, sign up for a free one week trial and then we watched the movies and canceled it. You, you canceled it, right? Yes, I did cancel okay. it. I told you I was going to. <laughs> That's like $8 a month. Who the hell can afford that? Um yeah, we uh, we watched we watched both of them. Canceled it. Um, I think it's worth a watch at least once. It's only it's less than three hours to watch both of them, which is way less than a Marvel film. Yeah. So if you if you go into it, you know, after listening to this, and you go into it thinking, okay, this isn't a, uh, you know, strictly stupid comedy. It's you know, a political satire film and you kind of look at it through that lens, I think you're going to enjoy the film more if, like, that's what you're looking for. If you're looking for a smart film 
both of these fit that category, I think. I mean, it also fits the category if you're just looking for a stupid, crude, fun time. I yeah. Mean, that's also if you're looking, what these films are, too. If you're looking to see a bunch of rednecks get made fun of, like, have at it, Haas. Um, but, yeah, I definitely recommend both of the films uh, for either of those types of viewing. But I, I definitely liked the second one better. Mm-hmm. I liked the overall message of the second one. And yeah. like I said, the the addition of not that Sasha Baron Cohen doesn't shine on his own as Borat, uh, but the addition of Maria Bakalova, she was just absolutely delightful. It was a good addition. It wasn't like, you know, like, oh, we're running out of ideas. The, Let's they, throw in an extra character. They had chemistry. I mean, it was a it was what a, it was. It was a two person like buddy cop film in the first yeah. in the first one. Right? Yeah. She just she pretty much took the place of Azamat. Yes. Ken. Uh, Ken yes. That is his um, name. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she was just absolutely delightful, and I I hope she gets r- more roles over here. Yes. Because she did a lot of, like, Bulgarian, like, you know, Eastern European films, which is why, you know, because you needed someone who was a talented actor well, you also to needed, carry this type well, you of... You also needed someone who... Was unknown. Be, yeah, would not be recognized by American audiences. Right, and, you know, maybe one person in a thousand knew who she was. Yeah. You know, but they weren't the target of these... Of these... Uh, of these pranks or skits however you want right. to look at it so we have battle results we do have battle results i'm excited to hear the uh answer for this one so last week we threw down stop smothering me little s big m battle of the maniacal matriarchs which mother figure has the most evil intentions and you could choose from the other mother from Coraline which correlates with our discussion last week. Mary Jones from Precious, Margaret White from Carrie, or Lady Tremaine from Cinderella. And both Twitter and Facebook are in agreement that Margaret White is the most maniacal matriarch. I think the reasoning behind, and this is why I chose her, is that uh, it was very reminiscent, uh, both the book and the films, very reminiscent of the Salem witch trials because you had this overly religious uh, matriarch seeing things that her daughter could do, um, and like you know, essentially like you're a witch, you're a demon. Like even before she manifested her powers, she was this very uh, tight-fisted. Uh, religious corporal punishment, lock you in the closet because you menstruated type of of uh, parent. So she was evil before, like, and you might say that even you know she was responsible for all the deaths uh, at the high school. I mean, in, in a roundabout way, she was. If she had raised her child differently. And encouraged her and been a nurturing right. mother. Well, especially, you know, if she had, hey, my child has powers. That's great. 
let's learn how to control well, those. Well, she didn't. Let's she didn't even know that at the beginning, but she was like, "Oh, you're a whore. You're a slut." And it's like, "You're a single mother. Like, why are you like projecting onto her?" Like, what happened to you or, like, how you were raised? Like, that's terrible. Right. And then was, you know, chastising her and berating her for wanting to go to prom. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, uh, was criticizing how she was dressed. And, you know, I thought there was really nothing wrong with the dress that she was wearing. And, you know, fun fact about that film, uh, it was very nearly... Carrie Fisher as Carrie and Sissy Spacek as Princess Leia. But Carrie Fisher did not want to do the nude scene at the beginning and Sissy Spacek's like, I'll do it. I feel that personality-wise... It worked out very well. It worked out very well. Yes. Because I love Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia and I love the film Carrie a lot. A lot. I think Sissy Spacek was amazing as Carrie White. Yes, I think she did a great job. It was, uh, I believe, John Travolta's first film. I think you're correct. He's like, oh my god, like she's like telekinetic, you know? Oh my god. But, but anyways, so Margaret White. Very nice, my wife. <laughs> My name is John Travolta. You, you can't say anything <laughs> about horrible accents. That's a great Travolta. Mr. Everything I do turns that was, into that John Travolta. That was Travolta, though. It's like, hey, my yeah, name is Travolta. Yeah, but everything you do eventually not gets travolta No. If I'm not strong on it, my Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter did not come close to turning into John Travolta. Uh, you know, I uh, give hey, it enough Clarice, time. I'm like, eat your face, you know. <laughs> give it enough time. Eat your, eat your face with like a malt and some fries. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm a cannibal. <laughs> Wala we are. Uh, it's so, nice. So uh, you know, so leave us some comments uh, on the social medias, like so, uh, like Facebook. Uh, what's better, uh, Hannibal Travolta or Borat Travolta? Which which do you prefer? <laughs> uh, and uh, let us. Know. So next week we are uh, Royale with cheese, like Royale with cheese. You know, <laughs> like oh my God, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they don't use the they use the metric system in Kazakhstan. <laughs> we call it a quarter pounder. <laughs> Whatever. Um, uh, we have a very special uh, episode next week, and uh, we're going to start delving into some of the characters that we've. I think we've been neglecting over the past couple of years because there are some folks that we have not covered that really deserve to be looked at, and we're coming up on episode two thirty seven. And I think for episode 237, we need to uh, revisit The Shining and talk about Jack Torrance. That's what I think. Because, I mean, it makes sense. My what? (laughs) So, uh, I think with that being said, we will... See See you next Thursday! Thursday. (laughs) Not! (laughs) No, we will. (laughs) (laughs) Bye bye. <laughs> it's nice. Oh Jesus! All right, I won't subject you to this anymore. Here's the closing. Here's the Borat theme.
Noi cerem din țară Ca să produc plus bani Să am de toate în casă Să nu râd ai mei dușman Eu cum iubesc nevasta Și pe ai mei copii Și când mă întorc acasă Te fac toate bucurii Alegi toată viața și n-ai cui să-i faci bucurii